Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, September 19th, 2022, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are continuing our study on the book of Genesis, and specifically we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 24 and really looking at how we can be led by God through all of life's decisions. You know, life is full of decisions, and I think most of us would agree that we want to serve God, we want to glorify God, and we want to follow God's will in all of life's decisions. Genesis 24 is a huge moment for Abraham and Isaac. They've just buried Sarah, and these two single men look onward to the Lord's promise through Isaac to make this family into a great nation. Three conditions are set before Abraham and Isaac by the Lord for the next steps. First, obviously, Isaac needed a wife. It was crucial for offspring. Second, a wife must not be taken from the pagan nations surrounding the land. And so they must go back to Nahor. They must go back to their beginnings to find someone who would believe in God, who would believe in the God of Abraham. But then third, Isaac was not to leave the land of Canaan. And so Abraham, if something were to happen to him in this search, if he were to pass away and Isaac were to leave, maybe their standing in the land could be threatened. And so Isaac was to stay to make sure that they were securing their claim on this land that the Lord had given them. But Abraham, we see his confidence that God will lead a wife for Isaac. They will lead them. And, and ultimately, he's confident in God's will, knowing that God's will will be done. Because obviously God has promised that he would, he would bless Abraham, that he would, he would increase his descendants, and that he would make a great nation of him. So, so Abraham is confident of God's will, and he trusts God's leading. So Abraham sends his servant back to his family and, and tells his servant in verse 7 of chapter 24, which we'll read here in a minute. He says, God will send his angel before you, and you shall take a son, a wife for my son. Beloved, knowing the will of God gives us tremendous confidence that God will use his supernatural power to overcome obstacles as we seek to serve him. We want questions answered about marriage. We want questions answered about our children, our jobs, major purchases, schooling, the use of leisure time, involvement in special missions projects, church affiliation. And ultimately, I pray we want questions answered about how to spend our lives for the glory of God. Ultimately, I pray we all want to be led by God. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. You see, beloved, scriptures like Genesis chapter 4 are given to us for our instruction and our encouragement. And so let's look at it more closely starting in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 4. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put my hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But you will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. 
Well, we start off the first verses in a very suggestive way, right? Abraham is asking his servant to put his hand underneath his thigh near his private area. The point is that Abraham cared very deeply about the next generation and that they followed the Lord. So this was an intimate pledge, right? This was an intimate pledge that Abraham was having his servant made because he had such such a strong desire that the next generation would know the Lord, that this nation that was being built from the loins of Abraham would praise the Lord. Now, I want you to know this wasn't against cross-cultural marriage. It wasn't against intermarrying with, with, with other cultures or races. This was against intermarrying with pagans and idolaters. Abraham wanted the next generation to praise the Lord. He wanted his son Isaac to be equally yoked. We pick up in verse 5. It says, The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from the oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Abraham was confident of the Lord's provision. And Beloved, I want to ask, are we praying to the Lord for our children and our children's children, even those yet unborn? Abraham was obedient and fully trusting in God's promises but he was praying for the next generation. Verse 10, So the servant took ten of the master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when the women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you've appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Abraham was passing on the faith to his servants. This servant had abiding trust as well in the Lord's provision. The servant is asking the Lord's abundant provision over this search. For those single who are looking only to the outward, you're looking in the wrong places. This servant was looking at the right place at the right time with an attitude to please the Lord. He was looking for someone who is selfless and thinking of God and others before themselves. We pick up in verse 15. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the son of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink... She said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. The Lord had indeed blessed the search. Rebecca had been pure before the Lord. She had honored her parents and she was committed to the Lord and was willing even to serve this stranger. 
Oh, beloved, this passage is showing us that God is good and he will accomplish his purposes. We pick up in verse 22. It says, when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for arms weighing 10 shekels and said, please let me whose daughter you are. Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore at Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and faithfulness towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. You see here, the servant praises God immediately. How many times do we see the hand of God move? But we have become expectant at the point that we forget to worship and praise him. The servant knew that this journey was blessed of the Lord and that the Lord was ultimately in control of all things. He didn't think for a minute that he had succeeded by his own hand. Are we tempted to think that our blessings and success are work of our hand? Are we completely open-handed in praise to the Lord? For he is the one from whom all blessings flow. And then we look at verse 29. Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out towards the man to the spring. And as soon as he saw the rings and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebekah his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man. And behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. And he said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master. And he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master's son when he was old, and to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife from your son, from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if you... If they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I come today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way I go, behold, I am standing to the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, Please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And who will say to me, Drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, Please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, Whose daughters are you? She said, The daughter of Bethel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put a ring on her nose and bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, This thing has come from the Lord, and we cannot speak to you good or bad. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, 
as the Lord has spoken. We see here that the servant asked for permission of Rebecca's family. The narrative short here, but we have to believe that this was not as sudden as it might have seemed. However, the servant here again gives glory to God and is standing before the family with only a testimony of God's goodness. Beloved, we live in a very individualistic culture today where we want to be captain of our own life and we disregard what others have to say. But there is freedom and accountability in this community. Are we a part of a community or family who is looking to protect one another and is helping one another seek God's best? We need to live in open-handed community where we honor the Lord together, give testimony of his goodness, and guard one another. Then we pick up in verse 52. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord, and the servant brought out jewelry of silver and gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and her and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us at least ten days. After that she may go. But he said to her, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young woman arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. The servant ultimately asked for Rebekah to leave and leave instantly. And when she agrees to go, her family blesses her. Beloved, are we blessing our children? Are we praying, praying blessings over our children, asking the Lord and trusting the Lord to accomplish much through them? Are our standards low or are they high? Are we including our children in these blessings, these prayers, and these plans before the Lord? Many times we water down faith for our kids and even for our adolescents. We try to just make it. But no matter where they currently are, what their current struggles may be, or even how far away they may be from the Lord, let's pray blessings over them, expecting the Lord to show up and work. Many times as parents, we have a mindset of, just trying to keep our children alive and their heads above the culture. But the Lord is good and sovereign, so let's pray that our children will be used in mighty ways for the kingdom. Pick up in verse 62. Now Isaac had returned from Bil Lahor Roy and was dwelling in the Negeb. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field towards evening, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah his mother and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Purity. We need to rekindle a purity culture within the people of God. We need to teach God's best for our children and expect that in them. Rebecca covered up. Isaac did what was right and took Rebecca because he knew she must have the character he was looking for. Beloved, we need to rekindle purity in our families and purity in our children. This passage is a narrative about marriage that teaches us about marriage and dating, but it's also so much more it's about seeking the will of God and trusting him to lead us. 
So three quick notes on a godly marriage that we see from this passage. First, marriage is based on an abiding friendship, not just romance. Certainly, while marriages were arranged in biblical times, we see that marriage was based not on romance, but on friendship and relationship. You see, romance fades, but abiding relationships last. Men and women get wrinkles and they get old. They forget who they are. Even as we exercise and do everything we can, our bodies will fade, but our relationship and friendship will last forever. Number two, marriage is meant to be permanent. Certainly while no one should have to endure a spouse who has broken fidelity through abuse and neglect, we must know that permanence means we do hard work to keep our friendship as one that is abiding and deepening. But then third, marriage is for God, made for God, and in need of God. I don't want us to miss the significance of this passage. It's in the center of the book of Genesis, and it's the last narrative that involves Abraham speaking or his activity. From here on out, the narrative will move to Isaac and then to Jacob and the sons of Israel. Genesis 24 is the longest chapter in Genesis, and it's in the middle of failure, pagan worship, and God's people refusing to follow him. And yet here in this narrative is a narrative of marriage and trusting the Lord's leading. Beloved, I believe the Lord is showing us and showing his people how very much he loves us and deeply longs for us. In the midst of the battle of sin, the Lord is reminding that this picture of marriage and betrothal is about the gospel. Christ Jesus leaves the land on a mission to redeem his bride. He betroths us as his very own. The narrative isn't just for our instruction and encouragement, but it also brings hope that God will come. He will accomplish his purpose and he will redeem his bride. But also, this passage does give us principles on being led by God through all of life's decisions. Five principles I want us to see on being led by God through life's decisions. First, know God's word and follow his commands. Abraham knew the commands of God and he knew the words of God and he followed them. He trusted God and knew that if God could break through the barrenness of Sarah's womb to bring forth Isaac, then he could also provide a wife for Isaac. This endeavor took equally as much faith as sacrificing Isaac on Mount Moriah. Both were challenging in different ways and both took equal amounts of faith in God's provision and will. You know, sometimes we compare the decisions we are making with what we think is a more different, difficult decision or difficult situation that somebody else is going through. But beloved, God is intimate in all of our decisions and deeply cares and is equally concerned. Don't minimize decisions either by thinking they aren't as important to the Lord, nor by thinking they don't need to be taken to the Lord. Secondarily, measure everything in life by asking yourself, can I honor the Lord and make his gospel known in this decision? Beloved, we cannot know God's word if we do not read God's word. For 51 years, my grandparents read God's word together aloud. I remember when they were in our home hearing them audibly read it to one another. When I would ask them about why they were so committed to reading God's word, they would always say the same thing. God's word is a lamp and a light to show us where to go. And he gave us his word to be known and to be followed. Beloved, we must know God's word and follow his command. Abraham, however, also gives room here for human error in the plan. In verse eight, he says, if the woman's not willing to follow you, then you are free from this oath of mine, only you must not take my son back there. 
Make sure, beloved, that we do not use God's word nor his commands to satisfy our own purposes or desires. We cannot try to manufacture things. Abraham had learned this lesson finally at the end of his life. Twice he had deceived kings about Sarah being his sister. Of course, he and Sarah had taken matters into their own hands with Ishmael. And in both of these situations, Abraham knew God's promises in his word that he would make him into a great nation, but he didn't trust in God's leading nor in God's design. But now, here finally at the end of his life, he's leaning in on God's design and God's will. So we must know God's word. We must follow his commandments. But we must also make sure that we are truly following him. That leads us to the second principle on being led by God through life's decisions. And that is that we let our walk with God validate our decisions and permeate our relationships. When we make decisions apart from the leading of the Lord and the prompting of the Spirit, but instead in our own flesh and preferences, we are left needing to validate and explain our decisions. But here we see Abraham is confident and doesn't feel the need to justify the plan. Furthermore, his servant not only understands, but he also trusts the Lord fully. So we can see that Abraham has passed his faith on even to his servants. Genesis 24, verses 12 through 13, the servant says, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. The servant of Abraham trusts fully in the God of Abraham. Abraham's walk with God had influenced his household and permeated his relationships. And the servant wants success ultimately because he's confident that the Lord has led Abraham to these decisions. In Genesis chapter 24, at the end of verse 14, we see the servant says, By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. The servant was looking in the right place at the right time and with an attitude to please the Lord. He was looking for someone who was selfless and thinking of God and others before themselves. He wanted a wife for Isaac and a daughter-in-law for Abraham that would exemplify the characteristics he saw in Abraham's family. Brothers and sisters, we must let our walk with God validate us. May people know that the decisions that we are making are totally informed with our walk by God. We don't need to justify those decisions. And may we also allow our walk with the Lord to permeate all of our relationships. The third principle on being led by God through life's decisions is that we trust the Lord to guide us and navigate obstacles for our good and His glory. We must trust the Lord to guide us and navigate obstacles for our good and His glory. While this narrative doesn't give us much about the passage of time, we know from later journeys in Genesis that Jacob would take to Laban and back home that the distance between Abraham and Nahor was about 500 miles. We also know that camels can travel about 20 miles a day, meaning that this journey would have taken about four weeks. And there were many obstacles, including finding the right woman who would even journey back another 500 miles to Canaan. However, God navigates all of these and will lead and provide on his time. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment for your bones. You see, before the servant had finished speaking and asking for the Lord's favor, the right woman appears. We can see through the life of Abraham that God provides the answer on his timetable. 
to bring forth the child of promise, Isaac, it took 14 years. To bring forth a wife for Isaac brought many, many years, even the death of Sarah. So while the Lord brings Rebekah to bear immediately upon the servant's arrival to Nahor, don't forget that this has been a long and arduous journey. Many times we think the Lord gives us one big answer. And that once we find the right job, the right place to live, the right spouse, that everything will just fall into place. But think of the many obstacles Abraham went through just to get to this place of looking for a wife for Isaac. God had promised to make him into a great nation, but yet it seemed like many obstacles kept coming up. First, Abraham was old when he was told that he would be a great nation. And yet he still had to wait for 14 years from the age of 85 to the age of 99 until Isaac came to be. Twice, Abraham and Sarah were threatened in lands to the point that they thought they could be killed. That's why Abraham deceived the the king of the land to say that Sarah was his sister. Third, we know they take matters in their own hands and they see heartbreak and sorrow from Hagar and Ishmael. But then we also know from the passage that Sodom was in constant turmoil and Abraham had to rescue them from potential peril, even to his own potential peril. Then Isaac was born to a 90-year-old woman without the medical care we know today. Just that a 90-year-old woman had a child is a complete miracle. Not only that she had conceived, but that she went through childbirth. But then Abraham and Sarah had to raise Isaac. They had to raise him to adulthood. And then the Lord commands Abraham to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. And yet now Sarah has passed away and Isaac has no wife. And this doesn't include the daily obstacles, the daily struggle, and the daily pain. Beloved, how does anyone ever make it without the loving and gracious hand of God? We must daily seek God's face. We must seek His will, His purpose, and His guidance. And we must preach the gospel to those who are not anchored in the hope that we have. Beloved, seeking the will of God and being led by God through all of life's decisions takes patience, trust, and fortitude. But ultimately, We must trust that he will help us navigate navigate every obstacle for our good and his glory. This brings us to the fourth principle on being led by God through life's decisions. And that is to consistently give testimony of God's goodness and praise back to him. You see, once Rebecca is identified as the one, the servant instantly thanks the Lord. Genesis 24, 27, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. Then when Rebekah's brother Laban comes out to greet the servant, the words are words of testimony and of God's goodness. Genesis 24, 35, The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. The Lord has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. Beloved, when we see the Lord leading, we need to speak of it because it can encourage others on their journey. It also shows that the wisdom doesn't come from us, but from God. And ultimately, it fuels our dependence on the Lord who hears, answers, and delivers. When we are being led by God through life's decisions, we need to give him praise for all that he does. Even through the servant's speech to Laban and the family, we see the evidence of the Lord's leading. We need to constantly rehearse these things to ourselves because we are so prone to forget God's goodness and to forget the things God does. So that at times we're led to fret, 
worry and do things ourselves. Praise and testimony actually fuel our dependence upon the Lord. When we are rehearsing the blessings of God upon our life and the way that he has moved, it reminds us to depend on him. Queen Elizabeth II, who died in 2022 after a 71-year reign, was known as a woman of grace, charm, and character. So many stories have come forth during her 71-year reign of her great grace, her great charity, her humility, and her reverence for the God of heaven. However, since she has died, one biographer has stated that she constantly said she hoped the Lord would return before she died so that she could lay her crown at his feet, the feet for which the crown most was deserved. You see, beloved, when we understand from whom all blessings flow and we continually give him praise, it will fuel our dependence and will ultimately help us as we go further. Constantly give testimony of God's goodness and praise back to him because it will fuel your dependence. But the fifth principle on being led by God through life's decisions, be content where the Lord leads you. Genesis 24 64 through 67. Rebecca lifts her eyes. She sees Jacob. She dismounts the camel. She asks the servant, what is this man? Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant says, it's my master. So she took her veil and she covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebecca, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Beloved, this is a strange scene. Isaac saw the servant and a woman and must have assumed this was his new wife. The woman had never spoken to Isaac, and yet the Lord fills their heart with love. This was not the most romantic of love stories. Isaac was not necessarily the guy that Rebecca had journaled about all of her life. Rebecca was not the girl Isaac had daydreamed about when she saw her around when he when she he saw her around the village, and yet they were content knowing that they were in the will of God. Beloved, things don't always have to be adventurous. And I'll have to always be sexy or even happy in order for us to be content. We can find contentment in the mundane, the boring, the ordinary, the difficult, the hard, and the intimidating when we know we are seeking to follow the will of God. Notice the first result you see from Isaac and Rebecca's union. Comfort from death. Sometimes life is ordinary, but what makes it extraordinary is knowing that even through the normal ebbs and flows of life, work, and family. We are seeking to please the Lord and accomplish His will. Think of your own testimony. The person who first introduced you to Christ may have been a Sunday school teacher, may have been your parent, or a normal friend from college. These people who introduced you to to Christ were not necessarily famous or well-known, but they were being faithful even in the mundane of life. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 12, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, about to which you made the good confession 
in the presence of many witnesses. Beloved, five reminders on how to follow the leading of the Lord in your life. First, know God's word and follow his commands. Second, let your walk with God validate your decisions and permeate your relationships. Third, trust the Lord to guide you and navigate obstacles for your good and his glory. Fourth, consistently give testimony of God's goodness and praise back to him. And fifth, be content with where God leads you. And in closing, certainly I know that this passage is about marriage and even to an extent about courtship. So five quick principles we see from this passage that are for parents with children that might be looking to date, for singles who might be looking to date, or for people who are just in a biblical community who are surrounded by singles who are looking to date. Five quick things. One, you must be equally yoked in faith. Abraham knew the importance of sending his servant back to Nahor so that both Isaac and his future wife would trust in the God, Yahweh, his covenant-keeping name. Number two, character is more important than chemistry. The servant, by the instruction of Abraham, is looking for character. He's not asking about the chemistry. He doesn't ask Rebecca about the things she likes or her hobbies or her activities. He notices her beauty, but that's not what draws him to her. He's drawn in by her character. Let us lead our children. Let us be led and let us lead others into looking at character beyond looks or beyond chemistry. But then third, relationships need a community. We see the communities that are involved in this relationship. Isaac trusts his dad and his dad's servant to find him a wife. Rebecca goes to her father Bethuel and her her brother Laban. She trusts their leading for the man that she is to marry. We must have relationships in community. They cannot be done in individualistic silos. That's where we get into trouble. Number four, God is the author of all healthy relationships. God leads the servant to find Rebecca. He brings Rebecca out at the right time. She was at the, at the right time, at the right place, at the right moment. He is the author of this relationship. And in the end of their relationship, you see what happens. They're comforted. Isaac is comforted in his mother's death. Oh, this is a healthy relationship. But then fifth, the man and the woman must both be willing. Notice that even Bethuel and Laban are convinced that this is a good relationship. They call Rebekah and they say to her, will you go with this man? And then she says, I will go. Both the man and the woman must both be willing. And so beloved, Let's guard our hearts, let's guard our minds in Christ Jesus. Let's be led by God through all of life's decisions. And let's also remember that our God is the God who left heaven, who sought after us to bring us into his family. This week, we are praying for the country of Hungary. We're grateful that you have joined us for this Defender podcast. And we ask that you would pray with us for the country of Hungary. Let's pray. Father, we pray for all of the families who are in the program to adopt from Hungary. We pray specifically for families who are already in Hungary or who are traveling to Hungary for their bonding time with their children. We pray for some that have received even hard news about their referrals or who are waiting on referrals. Would you be with these families? Would you surround them with your great love? And would you give them patience and trust in you as they are being led by you through even these decisions? Lord, we pray for our team here at Lifeline, for Jana and Jackie, Brianna, Brooke, and Timmy Ann. Would you lead them and guide them and give them grace 
as they love on these families and love on these children. Lord, we ask that you be with Adam, our head team member, as he navigates the adoption process in Hungary. Pray for him to continue to build relationships with government officials. And we pray for Adam's relationship with the Lord that we continue to grow and his dependence on you would grow. Father, be with Cornell, our driver. Father, he's recently, as you know, had this surgery and broken his foot. We just ask for complete healing and that you would bring him back to a place of being able to serve. Father, we certainly pray for the country and for the government there. We pray that our families that are being sent would continue to share the gospel when they travel. We pray you give opportunities for our staff to be light in the darkness to the team on the ground. We pray for the Ministry of Culture and Innovation that they will continue to be in favor of international adoptions and see the urgency in preparing paperwork for children. Pray for Erica, who's the head of the Central Authority, that she would have grace and wisdom as she leads. And pray for Gitta and Graznia and Olgika and Tundaik and other social workers that serve the children of Hungary. May they have wisdom as they look at files and make decisions for these children. We praise you, God, for the way that they have advocated for these children and pray that they would continue to do so. Lord, thank you for families who are called to adopt from Hungary. We thank you for the 11 children who've already come home this year to Forever Families. We pray for you and praise you for the other six that have already been matched and are waiting to come home. And we praise you for Adam, for his salvation, and for all that he does. Lord, we pray that you would move in Hungary for your glory, that you would continue to lead families to what you'd have them to do, and ultimately that you would use Lifeline in the way that you would have us be used. Oh Lord, we do it all for your glory, and for your goodness, and for your grace. In Christ's name we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.